And good morning, everybody. Borida. Um, I don't usually wear one trainer and one slider, so just in case you thought you've um, come to a church with very interesting fashion sense this morning, yeah, uh, you know why. Apparently, so I've been told about seven times, steel toe caps are a good idea when you're moving breeze blocks, um, so don't be the next person to tell me about steel toe caps. <laughs> um, yeah, I just had a little incident last night. It's not too bad. Um, I don't really need the crutch, but that's just to remind me not to bang my toe on anything. So, um, yeah, there we go. Uh, special warm welcome to you if you're here for the first time. If you're here uh, and you're a student, you've just moved to Aberystwyth. Can we welcome students who've just come to Aberystwyth? Hey! <laughs> we are so delighted that you've come to this town and that you've chosen to just join us this morning so thanks very much for joining us we were hoping to have some welcome bags ready for you but there's just one or two things that we still want to get in those uh, and there are some little gifts for you and some things that um, you and anybody who's going to be new to the church will be receiving um, so if you don't get one of those today come back another time and yeah come back next week and they'll and they'll be ready by then all right <laughs> so um, no persuasion um, and uh, and also our young adults um, will uh, Ministry will happen every other week during term time, and that will start next Sunday evening. So if you're around next Sunday evening and you're uh, sixth form um, into your sort of 30-ish age bracket, then um, there's opportunity for you to uh, join in with that every other week. Um, So as uh, Dave said, my name is Joel, and I'm the pastor here. I'm really pleased to be able to share God's word with us this morning. And um, we've been going through a series, and this is what we've called it. Um, We've been looking at biblical characters and we've called it Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. Uh, We're going to get there eventually. Um, And uh, we've been looking at this to try and understand how um, all those people that we look at and we read about through the pages of Scripture, uh, some of them we might describe as heroes of the faith, some of them we've looked at who might be more understood as sort of unsung heroes in terms of... um, the, the, uh, the biblical narrative, we don't hear that much about them, but we've, we've looked at them and we've seen how God worked in them. And what we've seen is that everybody that God is at work in the life of is an ordinary person with an extraordinary God. And to God goes all the glory for all the things that he does. Uh, and we often ask ourselves, why would God choose me? Why would I be privileged with the opportunity to serve God in a special way. And the Bible, page after page after page after page, tells us the story of people who were ordinary people who were used by an extraordinary God for his glory. So why not? Why would not God choose to use you? Uh, and, uh, and especially in the reality, which, which is um, very encouraging to me this morning, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. There's little more foolish than dropping a breeze block on your toe. Uh, So God uses the foolish things of the world uh, to shame the wise. And uh, and that's a great encouragement to us today. Now last week, uh, Edori brought us a fantastic uh, description and picture and encouragement from the son of encouragement, Barnabas. Really helpful. And I actually thought, well, why don't we carry on from Barnabas uh, with... uh, the person who he mentored and the person who he had a big influence and was in a massive encouragement to, uh, sometimes known as Saul of Tarsus, sometimes known as the Apostle Paul. We're going to read from Acts 9. It's quite a long passage, but it's just 
so fantastic that it really doesn't need to be shortened in any way. Um, so if you can see the words clearly enough, which you might not be able to, because there's quite a lot of them and there's a few slides. If you can, please read along with me. If you can't, please don't worry. It's really fine. Just listen and uh, try and take in the word of God this morning. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. In a vision, he, oh, sorry, Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food regained his strength. Thank you, Lord, for the power of this remarkable story. And God, we see from this and from the rest of the journey and the life of Saul that we too can be people who, who, who are powerful uh, sharers of your gospel. And so would you inspire us and help us and strengthen us as we seek to understand and apply your word today. Amen. Amen. Thank you for reading that along with me. Um, we, we, some of these things, we've done a little kind of attempt for people to try and guess who it is that we're going to be talking about. So uh, we haven't done that this morning, but I am going to ask you this question. When did Saul change his name to Paul? After his baptism, maybe. Uh... Oh, it was a trick question. <laughs> he didn't. There we go. Yeah, give, give, the, man a, give the man a clap. He didn't. Um, so Saul was his Hebrew name, and Paul was his, the Greek equivalent of Saul. So he was actually still could have been called Saul throughout his life, and he still could have been called Paul uh, throughout his life. Now, just to give you a little bit of an illustration of how this might work, in uh, this is um, the 
first page of the book of Joel in the Welsh language, in the traditional version of the Welsh language. And um, until recent years, because of words like jam, there hasn't been a J in the Welsh accent. Um, So you wouldn't have called me Joel if you were a Welsh speaker. You would have called me Joel. So that would have been my name, and that could still be my name. And if you want to call me Yoel, I will do my best to try and respond to it. Uh, I might not recognize that you're speaking to me. But Saul would have known that when people were saying Saul or Paul, that it was him that they were referring to. So we'd better call him Saul stroke Paul this morning. Saul stroke Paul had a problematic past. We can see from the passages that we read, that he was going around as a terrorist to Christians. He was seeking to silence them and to do more than silence them, to kill them. Um, But he had, in this situation, his spiritual eyes and physical eyes open to the reality of who the Lord is. A couple of the other things I want to highlight as we go through this morning is this. He persevered in the gospel through trial and relational trouble, and he changed the world. And I also want to look at the fact that he understood and lived discipleship. So if we want to find out where we first uh, find out about this man, we find ourselves in a situation where um, the, uh, Stephen has um, upset the religious rulers. And uh, in Acts 7 and verse 54, it says, When the San- members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. You get a picture of how the church were being treated by the religious leaders. It carries on and says, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named... Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. I don't need to say too much to increase the illustration of the kind of person that Saul was to the people of God, to the church, to the early church, the church that was just getting off the ground and being founded and and beginning to take root. And here was Saul trying to destroy the church. And sometimes we look at that and we think, well, that was, um, he was an evil man. But I want to actually just point out, first of all, that Paul was being zealous for the Lord. He thought that what he was doing was the right thing. He was actually believing in his heart of hearts that he was carrying out the will of God by, uh, by trying to silence the church, to stop this new religious movement, which he would have believed and understood to have been some kind of cult or a sect of, uh, of Judaism that was that was, uh, was false. And so he thought he was doing the right thing. But I also want to see that the spreading of the gospel was not impeded by this persecution that was going on through Saul and through the other religious rulers. 
uh, and the persecution that was going on in Jerusalem. What, in fact, what happened when we see them come under persecution? They're scattered, and the gospel goes further. It gets spread. And so often uh, we think that, oh, 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 God, deliver us from persecution. But actually, sometimes it is under difficulty and challenge and trial that the gospel is at its most powerful. Amen? And so we don't, we don't pray for people to be persecuted. We don't ask God to bring persecution upon us. We don't ask for, uh, to, to come under challenge and trial. That would be foolish. However, when we do come under difficulty and challenge and trial, we understand that the gospel still perseveres and the gospel prevails and the gospel is the power of God unto the salvation of those who believe. Amen? So the, the, the spreading of the word was not impeded by the persecution. Uh, and uh, I read something interesting, uh, uh, an interesting take on the fact that the witnesses brought their cloaks to the feet of Saul. And uh, it was uh, actually... Um, uh, as, as kind of alluding to the fact that those who were guilty would have had their, their clothes removed. And perhaps there was a, a hinting from uh, the author Luke here that, that those who were derobing themselves in order to begin stoning Stephen, were the, were, that's where the true guilt was lying. Um, but whatever the case is about that, they laid their, their coats at uh, Saul's feet and it tells us that he approved of the killing and he continued and grew in his role as a church destroyer. Until we get to this wonderful uh, story that we've read already that we call the conversion of Saul. And I just want to uh, repeat one simple verse from there. And it's the key verse that changes everything for Saul. And it changes everything for you and me. And it's this question. Who are you, Lord? Would you say that with me? Who are you, Lord? And if we will genuinely open our hearts and ask that question, then we will hear God, we'll hear Jesus responding and revealing who he is to us. So Paul did not convert from Saul to Paul. He also didn't turn his back on all that he had believed and lived for. Sometimes we think that it's, uh, it's that he, he, he put his, he, what he did was he came to a new realization, a new uh, fulfillment of what he already believed. Because what had happened is that this person, Jesus, had come to be the Messiah and to, to fulfill all of the Jewish law and the prophets. He'd come to fulfill them. And so when Paul converted to Judaism, from Judea to, Christi to become a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, he wasn't turning his back on all of his past. He was having his eyes opened. And we always need to be ready for new realizations and new revelations of who God is. It might be that you've uh, used to doing things a certain way. Maybe you even came to our service this morning and like, this is a bit weird. They do things strange here. Well, maybe God is opening up some new realizations. And maybe there's some things, and any church you go to, including our church, there'll be things that are great and there'll be things that are not so great. And that's the reality of being a group of humans doing our best to seek the Lord together. But what we must do uh, is always be ready for new realizations and revelations of who God is, allowing Jesus to speak to us, allowing him to open our eyes, allowing him to show us who 
he is. The New Bible Commentary comments on this uh, passage and says, it's sometimes argued that conversion implies rejecting one whole system of beliefs and embracing another. Saul had not been called so much to leave Judaism behind as to accept Jesus as the fulfillment of all he believed. And whatever you know or understand about the scriptures or about God, if you look to Jesus and have your heart and your mind open to him, you will see that he's a fulfillment of everything that you need, everything that you've longed for, and everything that can offer you and promise you a, a secure eternity in the presence of God. So what is Jesus revealing to you today? Let's just pause for a second. Jesus, what are you revealing to me today? What are you showing me of your character? What are you showing of who you are? Of who I am in you? Of what you want me to be? What you want me to do? Lord Jesus. so important to take time like this. I know in that moment, I believe God has spoken to some people. You may not have felt anything, you may not have heard or sensed anything, but I believe in this room some people will be hearing from God right now. It's Jesus revealing something to them. We need to cultivate a habit of giving God space and time and room. What was that? A few seconds. A few seconds. Sometimes we get so caught up in life that we don't even take a few seconds. God, who are you? Who am I in you? What are you saying to me today? Let's cultivate taking a few seconds. Breathing. When everything starts to get too much, take a few seconds. God, what are you saying in this moment, in this situation? What is Jesus revealing to you today? Now, Paul had been forced into a revelation. (laughs) And sometimes we are transformed by a Damascus Road experience. We have an awakening or an enlivening or God shows something. We have a vision or a picture or an amazing encounter with God. Life-changing, transforming experience. When I became a Christian, I had some knowledge of God. But uh, I went to a summer camp, long story short. And before that summer camp, if you'd have told me, I would come away from that and would be going to church every Sunday. I would have laughed at you. But because God met with me in that place during that week... Every, uh, my whole life from that point on since my teenage years has been completely different, has been transformed. But we can't force or create Damascus Road experiences. And often, if we're attentive to God's voice, we're shaped and molded in our daily walk with him. And we can cultivate that. We can cultivate opportunities for God to speak to us. And dramatic change happens when we invite God to shape us. And dramatic change sometimes happens in a blinding light and a turnaround and a complete transformation. And sometimes dramatic change happens because we change the angle ever so slightly. And then 10 or 15 years later, we realize that because we started to spend a few seconds every day hearing from God, actually the trajectory of our lives has gone from that direction, which it was in. But because of a tiny angle change, we find ourselves way often in a, in a healthier direction or sometimes we make little changes and they lead us in a destructive 
direction. And let's make good changes and find ourselves cultivating opportunities for God to reveal himself to us, to show us who he is, and having our hearts and our minds open to that. So the next thing I want to talk about is the fact that Paul is a, a game changer, if not a name changer. Many of us thought his name changed. Well, it, it didn't. But he is a game changer because, because of what God did in Saul and because of what Saul goes on to do. It changes the face of the, the earth, literally, and humankind. Let's go to just after. Uh, it says this, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. The gospel changed the game for Saul. He went from one extreme of seeking to kill and to persecute and stop the church to the other extreme He went from being a chief persecutor of the followers of the way to being a chiefly persecuted follower of the way. But God had a plan and a purpose. And God knew what he had in store for Paul to do. And we see that Saul, Paul, changed the game for the spreading of the gospel and what happened on the earth. When he he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So sometime later, Paul wanted to come back and and be among the disciples and to, to learn from them and to encourage them and to be with them. But obviously they had a little bit of trouble accepting him. New Bible commentary again says, although by the time Paul came to Jerusalem he had been a Christian for some time, the apostles, like Ananias before them, found it difficult to believe. It was not until Barnabas took responsibility for him that the disciples were prepared to accept the former persecutor of the church. Paul had converted, but understandably then had a hard time being accepted by the Christians. I wonder if there's anybody that you could imagine and Think, well, I cannot imagine how I would feel if that person claimed to have become a Christian and wanted to be among us and to be with us. There may be people that that springs to mind. Well, Paul was that person for the people, the disciples in Jerusalem. But Barnabas, the son of encouragement who Adore shared with us about last week, he'd seen the Lord at work in him and he took him under his wing. Something which is really important here is that Saul Paul accepted this discipling and this shaping influence. Without going over it all again, I'll allow you just if you if you go into uh, uh, BibleGateway.com or onto your Bible app and, and type in uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, and look for those passages where they're mentioned together, 
and where they, we see the way that Barnabas encouraged him and strengthened him. But Paul allowed that influence in his life. The next question I want to ask you is, who are you allowing or seeking to disciple you, to shape you, to encourage you, to be a voice? We all need to allow somebody to be a voice into our, into our situations, into our lives. Choose wisely. Barnabas was a very wise choice. Who are you seeking or allowing to disciple you? And so as Paul had known the influence of spiritual fathers in his faith journey, Paul also made it a priority to be a father in the faith to others. And as Edori alluded to last week, wherever you are on your journey in God, wherever you are, wherever you are on your journey with God, you are further along than somebody else. And you can inspire and you can encourage them with your experience, your knowledge of God, what you've seen, what you've seen God do in your life. Your understanding of scriptures, small as you may feel it might be, the knowledge is going to be further along than somebody else's. And we hear here in the situation with Paul, there are a few people that he, we see he influenced and discipled, but the most uh, uh, obvious one is Timothy. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus, as he's writing this letter to this young man that he has encouraged and influenced in the faith, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. He'd taken Timothy under his wing. We see that he had been taken under his wing, the wing of Barnabas, and we see that he takes Timothy uh, and others under his wing, which leads us to the next question. Who are you seeking to invest in as a disciple? Who is there that you, you know you're, you're, you're further along in the journey, and, and, and I know that self-doubt and being negative about ourselves is a, is a blight of our age, but I want to tell you this morning that wherever you are, you are further along than somebody else. And you can encourage them and you can strengthen them and you can help them discover more of who they are and more their destiny in Jesus. Amen? Do you believe that? So who are you discipling? Who are you seeking to uh, intentionally invest your time, your energy, something of who you are into them? So those are some valuable things that we see uh, from Paul so far. But we also have to recognize that Paul had some significant problems after his conversion and whilst following the plan of God and whilst sharing the gospel and whilst being the, the great hero apostle that we so often quote, he seriously fell out with some really good people, even separating at one point from Barnabas and going in different directions. He also knew great trial and persecution. Paul suffered torture and imprisonment for the, for the sake of sharing the gospel. I wonder if we sometimes are a little bit unwilling to go through what it takes to really share the gospel. I feel greatly challenged when I read stories like Paul and Silas who were imprisoned and then they sang hymns of praise whilst they were in that prison cell. They didn't sing that hymn of praise in order for the prison doors to fling open. 
That was the miracle that God did after they sang a song of praise. They sung a song of praise because God was still worthy of praise, even in the prison cell. So what are we going through? What are we dealing with? Each one of us, each one of us is dealing with something this morning. It's human reality. Are we singing our hymns of praise in the middle of the situation? Are we raising our hallelujah in the middle of the mystery of it all? And then also we can read about Paul having a persistent problem or a weakness, a thorn he describes it as. And that's in 2 Corinthians and chapter 12, verse 7. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Even the Apostle Paul had a persistent ongoing. And there's lots of people who've claimed to be able to work out what this thorn in the flesh was. The, the reality, as far as I understand it, is we don't know. It, there are a few things that we can speculate about what it is, and it probably is one of those things. But, but he knew an ongoing, persistent challenge, a problem, a messenger of Satan, something that caused him grief and trial but he goes on to say I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may be rest on me that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties for when I am weak then I am strong when was the last time you delighted in a hardship <laughs> Delighted in a persecution. Delighted in being insulted. When we do, we realize that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I want to encourage you to, to, to understand that difficulties, whether they are relational, whether they're physical, whether they're spiritual, they don't mean disqualification from God's kingdom. And God's plan and God's purpose and what God wants to do in your life. Because I can guarantee you, not as a prophetic word, but as an obvious statement, you will deal with relational difficulties in your life. You will deal with physical difficulties in your life. And you will face spiritual difficulties and challenges in your life. It's the reality. But the process of what God does in and through us in those situations is the value and is bigger than the problems themselves. And if you're facing one of these in a, in, a, in, a, um, in a profound way today, I want to tell you, you are not disqualified from God's kingdom. You're not disqualified from him being at work in your life and from having a powerful purpose for you and from you being used mightily for his glory. Amen? Saul or Paul's problems, whether they were self-inflicted or not, did not stop him influencing the world with the gospel. Through the Apostle Paul, we see that churches were planted all over the place. Lives were transformed and life 
shaping epistles were created and written that we can now chew upon and learn God's heart and learn God's character and grow in him. It's possibly arguable that Paul has had the greatest uh, influence upon, outside of Jesus uh, as a human, upon, upon biblical theology through his epistles in terms of a Christian understanding and a worldview. The, the, the Reformation and things which will flowed out of Pauline theology. This man who had great weakness, great trial, a thorn in the flesh, um, a, a history of killing Christians has become an inspiration and a, and a planet-changing person. And history now remembers Saul Paul, not as the chief church destroyer, but as a chief church starter and builder. An ordinary man transformed by an ordinary God. Oh, extraordinary God, thank you. Thank you, Brian. An ordinary man transformed by an extraordinary God. Does anybody in the room today want to be an ordinary person bringing glory to being transformed by an extraordinary God? I want to be. I just, Lord, would you help me be who you want me to be? Reveal more of yourself to me so that I can be more of who you've called me to be. And as we draw towards an end, we're going to read together this wonderful little passage from Romans, the first chapter of Romans. Um, Romans is sometimes described as Paul's masterpiece. I, I can't confirm or deny this, but it is a remarkable book. We studied it in our connect groups over a very long period of time. <laughs> Um, over the over the last uh, year and a year and a bit, this uh, passage at the beginning of Romans. Let's read these words together and be inspired by them, shall we? I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Amen. Like Saul, Paul, we can be shaped by God and we can shape others in the power of the great gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So God chooses you. God chooses you. Don't rule yourself out because you've had a troubled past. Because what's gone on when you look in the rearview mirror is problematic. Don't stop fearlessly preaching and living for the gospel because it's the power of God. For the salvation. Do not believe that your difficulties mean that you are disqualified. Do let God open your eyes and your heart and your mind to who he truly is. Do be led, taught and discipled by others. Let other people speak into your life. The right people, in the right ways, in the right contexts. And do sensitively 
and kindly and gently lead, teach and disciple other people in your world. Let's pray together, shall we? If you don't mind uh, closing your eyes, I would first like to pray for anybody to whom they sense God is revealing them, himself to them for the first time today. Uh, Saul had this experience on the Damascus Road. It is not as dramatic as that for most of us. Sometimes it's just a realization. Actually, Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is real. And I want to begin following him and living for him. If you want to put your trust in Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sin through the power of the cross where he shed his blood to take away our trespasses so that we could be forgiven and we could walk with him and make him our king and our Lord and be born into a new kingdom, the kingdom of God with a a secure eternity in him. If, If you would like to make that choice today for the first time I'd love to pray with you. So if that's you today, please just feel free to raise your hand while eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. The cameras aren't on you. If there's anybody today that wants to make that choice, I'd love to give you the opportunity. No problem. There's nobody in the room today, but you may be wanting to have some more questions answered. Please feel free to talk to us. Um, And if you're watching online, live or later on, Please email us, get in touch, find a way for us to be able to help you begin that journey. And then there's two other things that I would like to pray for specifically. And I don't want to embarrass people, so I'm not going to uh, ask single you out in any way. But uh, but first one is if you need to find somebody to disciple you. If you need that voice, that person to speak into your life. I'm just going to ask now, Holy Spirit, would you inspire us and enable us and show us how we can find that voice, who we can look to, where we can go to find that encouragement, that Barnabas encouragement in our lives. Show us, Lord. Even in, in this moment, would you show us? But Lord, just as this week unfolds, or this, this, these next few weeks unfold, let those relationships form. Let me be brave enough to ask somebody, can, can, can we have a coffee? Or a milkshake? Whatever it is that you drink. Let us be discipled, Lord. Let us be willing to be spoken into. And finally, if you need to find somebody to invest your life in. Because an important part of the disciple journey is investing our lives in others. So Lord, would you show me now, who, who can I invest my life in? Who is on this journey that I can encourage and come alongside? Maybe, maybe we walk together, maybe we disciple each other. But God, who can I speak into and encourage and be a Barnabas, be a Saul, Paul too? Help me, Lord. Show me, reveal it to me. Lord, we want to live according to the power of your gospel. I'm reminded of an old delirious song. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the one I love. Help us to be those who are boldly proclaiming and living according to your gospel, according to who you are, Lord Jesus, in this day and age. Please, Father, we ask you would 
Fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh today. Give us fresh, zealous passion for your name, for your gospel in our everyday lives, in our families, our workplaces, as well as here in our church community. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.